Welcome to the OC Mobility as a Service podcast, a new Osborne Clark podcast looking at the legal and wider issues in mobility as a service, or MAS. My name is Jeremy Godley and I'm joined by my colleague Mary Claire Smith. We're both commercial lawyers with a strong interest in all things transport, including technology and innovation projects, and of course, MAS. The OC Mobility as a Service podcast is aimed at anyone with an interest or involvement in transport and innovation. If you find anything in this podcast of interest, or perhaps if you disagree or want to comment uh, on something we say, please do get in contact and maybe we'll feature your ideas or even invite you to take part in future episodes. In this, our first episode, we want to introduce some of the legal issues we will look at in more detail across the series. But before we do that, I think we need to define what mobility as a service, what mass actually is. It seems to mean many different things to many different people. So I'm going to invite Marie-Claire to provide us with the definitive definition of mass. Marie-Claire. Thanks, Jeremy. No pressure. Um, I'll do my best to give you the definitive definition, um, but it probably won't be. In my view, uh, MAS provides a tailored, simplified and convenient multimodal travel solution. From one single mobile app with one single payment, a user can buy one ticket, which will allow it to travel from A to B via multiple transport modes. Selecting transport modes which you may consider are most suitable to you and to your lifestyle. So it's not only seamless and convenient, it also can be personalised. However, as Jeremy said, there are many definitions and interpretations of mass, and this this is not the definitive one. This is just one definition. Jeremy, how would you define mass? Well, thanks for that uh, that, that definition, Marie Claire. I'm not sure I can uh, top it, so I'm not going to try. I'm going to cop out. Um, but what I would like to add is just a simple observation on what you've just said, um, which is that it, it just shows the range of potential participants taking part in the. Uh, mass ecosystem there are just a huge number of stakeholders everyone from uh, transport authorities looking to um, uh, do transport better to software developers who have the perfect solution for for a mass platform to payment services providers um, transport information uh, specialists um, and, and many more besides not forgetting the actual transit companies that are providing the journey services themselves. So it's a really, really broad ecosystem with many, many different um, uh, uh, legal issues arising. So um, having having tried to settle on a definition of mass, Marie-Claire, would you like to provide a, uh, a recent example of a mass project that we've been involved with? Sure. Thanks, Jeremy. So we recently completed a three and a half year Horizon 2020 mass research project for the EU Commission. It's called My Corridor. My Corridor explored technical, commercial and legal challenges and opportunities in cross-border mass by creating a mass app, which was tested in various pilot sites across Europe. As legal advisors and a partner to the My Corridor project, Osborne Clark worked closely with 16 other partners from across the UK and the EU. This was including TomTom, Swaco, and Newcastle University, among others, and identified and advised the My Corridor Consortium on various legal and commercial issues relevant to mass. While we don't intend within this episode to take a deep dive into any of these legal issues, 
we will now provide you with a high level overview of some of these considerations relevant to maths. And we'll then explore each of these legal issues in more depth as the series progresses, including by talking to other legal experts and experts generally within the industry. So to kick us off, I'm going to just give you a high level overview of one of the key issues that was prevalent in my corridor and is very important to maths, and that's data. Access to quality data is integral and central to a successful maths ecosystem, whether this is personal data or non-personal data. Gaining user and stakeholder trust is intrinsically linked to obtaining access to that data particularly given that a large amount of this data is personal data, even when it's not necessarily obvious that it is on its face. So a large focus of the My Corridor project was on ensuring personal data protection compliance and gaining user trust right from the start. So how do we gain user trust? Well, we'll look at this in more detail in a later episode, but at a high level, by initially from the start of any mass project, incorporating privacy by design into the mass platform and the mass ecosystem and thereafter through transparency and compliance with applicable laws and guidance. Importantly, compliance with personal data protection laws can actually create opportunities for a mass ecosystem. If a mass ecosystem can demonstrate strong compliance, it will in turn gain user trust, enabling it to grow as a platform with increased users and thereafter an optimized, accurate, tailored, valuable, and competitive solution. That's all that I'm gonna say about data for now. As I mentioned, we'll look at access to data and personal data in more depth later on in this podcast series. But of course, data is just one consideration or set of considerations relevant to mass. Jeremy, do you want to talk us about, um, through some of those other considerations? Thanks, Mary Claire. Yes. So um, one of the uh, other issues following on from that is uh, payments regulation. So payment service providers, as we know, will play a key role in any mass platform. Um, and that brings challenges and considerations from a payments law perspective. We'll zoom in on this in a future episode. But for now, I just want to pose three questions on how this area um, can affect mobility as a service. First of all, you have to consider what payment services activities are going to be carried out within your mass platform. Once you've worked that out, the next question for lawyers is, how are those activities regulated, if at all? Once you've established that, the second question naturally is compliance. In other words, would the proposed payment activities um, be compliant with uh, applicable payments law and regulation? For example, are the activities within your platform, within your mass, uh, mass ecosystem, within scope of uh, a payment provider's licensed capabilities? And third of, all, third of all, operational and commercial considerations. Do any of those constraints limit, uh, 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 present uh, legal limits or barriers, um, or even as we've seen in, in some of the projects we've been involved in, opportunities? Next, consumer law. The consumer law that applies to mass is really broad and it covers both general consumer law requirements as well as, predictably, the full range of transport-based uh, regulations in this space, some of those being differentiated by transport mode. So, in essence, ensuring compliance in this area is about generating trust for the passengers who are going to use the mass platform. A few examples of considerations here. 
are your platform terms fair and transparent in a way that complies with consumer law? Is it clear how the passenger can seek redress if something goes wrong, such as a cancelled journey leg or a missed connection? Does the platform bring the key terms and conditions to the passenger's attention ahead of the passenger booking the journey or making payment? Now, in our experience, many of these questions have to be resolved collaboratively between all of the stakeholders. They can't just be dealt with at the, at the level of the platform provider. Next up, competition law. Competition law is an important framework for mass, which could be a concern to organisations that already hold significant market power in the mobility sector and are therefore subject to heightened obligations under competition law. But competition law can also help to grow uh, the, the deployment of mass by preventing those market leaders from uh, restricting access to new entrants. And now, Mary Claire, you're, uh, you're hopefully going to tell us something interesting about the contractual framework that applies to mass. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, I'll keep it really brief because um, we will look at this in more depth in a later episode. Um, but owing to the numerous, numerous stakeholders involved in a mass ecosystem, as Jeremy has already identified, there can be a complex network of contracts to consider and negotiate. And this can take a lot of time. Contractual liability in mass may even be an area worthy of further research and possibly even EU le level legislative intervention to ensure that liability can be apportioned fairly and appropriately within mass, particularly when you're dealing with a mass platform or a mass stakeholder who already enjoys significant market power. Um, that's all I'm going to say on this for now. Jeremy, do you have any other issues to add? I had one last issue, and I'll be really brief, and that's just the overall overriding question of regulation in this space. So this is perhaps as much a question of government policy as this is a legal issue. But the question is really what national and EU level interventions are likely to be necessary to enable mass to flourish. We're already seeing um, interventions being put in place in, in, the t in terms of open access to data and other areas for focus might be interoperability standards. So this has just been a high level overview of some of the legal issues to consider in mass. If you would like to hear more about these areas, please do con continue to follow us and, and to follow this series going forward. And please also get in touch with either me, Jeremy Godley, or my colleague, Mary Claire Smith, if you have any questions or observations on the topics that we have discussed in this episode. Thank you very much for listening.